welcome to episode 65 of Ardent Run Club. I'm Tommy, I'm your host, and today I'm joined by another Northeast athlete. Yeah, I know you don't like run as much as you used to, but you're still involved. He's actually the secretary for Sunderland Harriers, and we've actually got a very important topic to talk about today. So please join me in welcoming Albert James. Tommy, thank you very much. I think that's probably the best introduction I've had in a long time. So thank you. You're quite hey. correct on the nail with everything what you've just said. Oh, brilliant. That's that's good. Hey, well, thank you for joining me, Albert. I've been looking forward to chatting to you uh, ever since we had our phone call a couple of weeks ago. It's, um, yeah, you obviously brought up a, an interesting topic, which we'll get into in a little bit. Um, but yeah, firstly, I just want to say thank you for joining me. Thank you. Well, good. So, yeah, like I say, the, the purpose of this episode is to talk about a subject which is clearly close to your heart, and that is teenage burnout. But before we do so, I think it would be a good idea to get to know you. Um, so give us a little yeah. introduction into your running history, who you are. Um, I guess we can start off with this simple question. What got you into running? How old were you? Um, why did you start? Right. Yeah, well, I actually I got into running through my first ever PE teacher at the age of 11. Uh, it was a guy called Jeff Appleby. It was very tough, but very fair. Mm -hmm. uh, and I actually started my athletics journey as a, a sprint hurdler, over 60 metres and a long jumper. Uh, and that was back in 1979. Jeez. So that wasn't... That's, what were your PBs? I think I jumped 4.73 as a long jumper. Yeah. And I don't think... I, I can't recall a time for the sprint hurdles. But yeah. bearing in mind, I was only 11. So yeah. I think that wasn't, that wasn't too bad. Yeah. Um, but in 1979, there was a guy came, well, he'd been around a bit, but there was a guy called Sebastian Coe. And Sebastian Coe started setting world records all over Europe in that summer, uh, along with Steve Ovet. So I was kind of watching him and thinking to myself, that looks relatively easy, to be fair, compared to long jumping and hurdling. So I decided to give it a, a bit of a go. Um, and it was actually... Jeff Appleby, who sent us to, to Morpeth Harriers. And at the time, I lived at home with my parents, or my parents, because my mum was uh, widowed very young, and we've got, I've got three older sisters. So it was a kind of, getting to Morpeth Harriers was a bit of an escape. Uh, and I kind of enjoyed school, but it wasn't, I wouldn't say I was particularly academic. Uh, but at senior school, uh, my form teacher was a guy called Dave Thomas. And he was an athletics coach also in Morpeth areas. And he helped me get into the room by setting us two sessions a week on a Tuesday and a Thursday. And those sessions were something like six by 400 metres each time. I can't remember the times and it was done on a cinder track as well, Tony. So it was such yeah. a long time ago. I kind of, I don't recall the, I don't recall the, yeah. the times then, you know. Yeah. No, fair enough, man. So that's, that's kind of what got you into it. And what kind of, because we'll talk about this in a little bit as well, because you were pretty good at a younger age. So when did you start getting better? And what do you think sparked that that change? All right. Well, I was, my, my first competition, really, or my first taste of competitive athletics was in 1980. Mm -hmm. And it was a long, long jump competition, and I finished second. Nice. And I won my first trophy. So that was good. Yeah. Um, and then on the same day, I, I entered my first 800-meter race. Um, and I went, if you imagine being 12 years old, and I ran 60 seconds for the first lap of an 800 meters, 12. 
Okay. And then ended up running 2.17, 2 minutes, 17 seconds. So what, so it was a 60 second lap and then a, a 77 second lap. So I didn't have, basically didn't have a clue. I won, I won the event, right. but I think it was, I think it was the first lap that killed most people, <laughs> to be fair. Yeah. That's awesome. How long have you been running competitively for, Albert? I ran competitively from 1980 until 1992, 12 years in total. But from, from 1992 until 2008, I didn't run a step. I didn't even own a pair of trainers, to be fair. Really? Um, in that time, yeah, I got married to Deborah, um, who wasn't a runner at the time, but is now. <laughs> and we had two boys, Oliver and Ron. I never watched an athletics event, never had any involvement, didn't have any communication, any connection with any athletics club. And I don't really recall either the 1996 or 2000 Olympic Games. Uh, but we can come why, I can tell you later why I actually fell out of love with athletics later. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good to me. That sounds good to me. Yeah. In a, an answer to your previous question, then when did I first realise I was good at running? It was probably, like I've already said, when I was 12 in that uh, 60 second first lap, which yep. finished most people off. And then the following year in 1980, I actually went on to uh, win the Northumberland Schools title. Wow. And I think it, let's get this right. In 1980, I think I ran something like 2.15 as a 13 year old. Wow. So that's kind of, uh, it, it, it kind of looking back now, you kind of realize, you kind of forget that how quick I actually ran. <laughs> and it's not until you do something like this that you kind of cotton on out how quick it was. Yeah, that's mad. So what was your, out of those 12 years, what was your favorite, most memorable race that you competed in? Um, it's quite strange because you, you actually had a guy called Gary Ray on yeah. a few weeks ago who took a long spell out. Now, yeah. Gary talked about a race um, at Gateshead Stadium, which was a, it was in an international race, and it was at the, the Rang Xerox Games. Yeah. And it was between the senior men's, well, I can't remember exactly the event, but it was just before the senior men's 800 metres where Steve Cram beat Sebastian Cope. And it was Cramie's last race before he went on to win the world title. And in that event, that a, a boys' race, and Gary was in it. Um, and I re remember Gary from our competitive day. And I won it. I won that race. Um, and I can remember, I think it was something like, it was a capacity crowd. And I think at the time, Gator was like 12,000 people. But that was a good race. And yeah. I remember doing that well. And later on that summer, um, I ran a 1,500 metres in the Nike Classic for... Um, oh gosh, the Crystal Palace, and I ran 355.8 for 1500 meters at 15. Crut, that's impressive, right? Yeah, but if we if that whole summer in 1983, I think I went on to win the English Schools Championships mm -hmm. and I ran 157. Yeah. For Right and I won it in 157. But the following week, I was invited to run for England against France and Italy. Yeah. And I ran 153. The following week? The following week, I had 15. So, if, so what I've said there is, at 15 years old, I ran 153.2 seconds 
for 800 meters and 355.8 within about within about three weeks. And then I think it was in another race. I actually won the UK under 17 championships again at 15. And I ran 154 that day. So it's kind of, for whatever, everything seemed to come together in that year. Yeah. That's nuts. <laughs> that's, that's actually ridiculous. That's running those quick times at a young age. Did, how did you, think, did you, like, were you humble about it? Did you feel, what, what were you thinking at the time? Were you thinking you were going to go pro and stuff? Or I thought, yeah, of course I did. I thought that was just, this, and it was quite funny because my coach had a conversation with Peter Coe, who was Sebastian Coe's father in coach. Mm-hmm. And Peter Coe said, well, make sure that the success Albert's having now is just the start of his athletics journey and not the pinnacle. Mm. And to be fair, Tommy, the reason why I wanted to talk to you is because that was the that it didn't get any better than that. That was probably that was as in terms of achievements. That was as much as I much as I achieved too. I mean, dead proud of you know. I've still got photographs and I've still got the the vests and that sort of stuff. But it was uh, quite a quite a good time. That's crazy. Yeah. So, did you have any bad races? Oh, Tommy, I, I could sit and talk to you. But, Hours about the bad ones. I had more <laughs> bad ones. Far, far, far too many bad ones. I, I, I had lots of particularly bad cross-country races. Always cross-country. Absolutely. I, and I can remember running the Northern Cross-Country Championships at Thirsk. Mm-hmm. And it was just horrific as a junior. And then the following year as a senior, I, I ran the National Cross-Country as a senior man. Round here, Park in Leeds, and it was a the, it was a brutal day. It was horrible, and I finished like in the thousands. Oh dear! Uh, for an eight hundred meter runner to try and run a nine mile cross country, oh, I'm dear. just not quite sure. I'm just not quite sure why I would have done that. Nah. nah. And I certainly wouldn't advocate any. I think eight hundred meter runners should run cross country, but I don't think they should be running a nine-mile cro- national cross-country championships in March, especially if they're going to focus on 800-meter run. Yeah, oh, dear me. In the thousands. In the thousands, I. I wasn't close to 2,000, but I wasn't close to 1,000, if you know what I mean. Yeah, so yeah. So it's kind of halfway through. Oh, dear me. Wow. Did you learn anything from that sort of experience? Did I learn? Of course I didn't, because the following year I went and did exactly the same. Uh, we, we kind of got stuck in a rut of doing exactly the same thing. And that's why when we talk about teenage burnout, we just want to, there's a, lot, a few things I want to talk about in terms of reflection and that sort of stuff, but we, we, can, we can come and, we, I, I, I wouldn't mind telling you about some of the training that I used to do when I was a youngster. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to ask you next. What was the training at Morpeth like? Um, right. I've done it. I've written this the, the week. I haven't gotten, unfortunately, and I wish I had. I wish I'd kept training diaries, but I didn't keep training diaries from the day. And I really, really wish I had an advocate. I know Strava, I think Strava's a different thing because most people now have got it on their watch and they've got a record, but I didn't, which is a shame. But bearing in mind, I'm, I'm, I'm what you've got to take here is you've got to take in a context that I was 15. Yeah. Right, and you've got to look at the workload of someone who's 15, and you've got to look at an immature body who was 15. I think when I was running, I was something like eight and a half stone wow. at 15, and I'm a lot more than that now, but I haven't grown much, really. Yeah, so 
On a Sunday, I would run for an hour and a half. Okay. Sunday morning, dead slow, really slow. Yeah. Uh, on a Monday, I would do a nine-mile fartlek. Okay. Right. Then on a Tuesday, I would do a session which tended to either be on the grass or on a hill, which was something along the lines of four by eight hundred, four by four hundred, and six by two hundred meter reps. In yeah. In what? Is that um, one or a, or a couple of sessions? That's one session. Wow. Okay. Yeah. On a Wednesday, I would do eight miles. Wow. Yeah. Thursday, I would do eight by 200s on the track. Okay. And those 200s would be somewhere between 20, 26, 27 seconds. Okay. And in that, I would have three minutes recovery. Friday, I would take the day off. Um, and on a Saturday, if I wasn't racing, I would do, just depending on the time of year, but I would certainly do anything between four and six 200s, but they would be flat out. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of work on a young body. Yeah. So that obviously would have contributed a lot to your success as a 15-year-old. Of course. But it was, it was quite... It was When you look back, though, Tommy, you can tell that it was just a short-sighted view. Mm. I, I can't, I'm not going to... I'm not going to... What I'm not going to do is I'm not going to decry the guy, the coach, um, because I don't... It, it, because that would be the wrong is it the, that would be the wrong thing to do. Yeah. Okay. At the end of the day, I could have done something myself. I suppose I was only 15, but yeah. I was having success and no one else was kind of challenging either. So any bit of advice that I would give is even to a 15-year-old is just talk it through with your coach. Talk it through. Absolutely. Okay. So in out of those sessions, what was your favourite session to do? My favourite session was for doing the 4 by 200s I used to enjoy running really quick. Yeah. So we would go down to Whitley Bay um, and do four 200-metre repetitions. And we'd take us probably about five minutes between each one. Mm. And they were trying to get them to run quick. And if I knew I was in shape, I would run them all under 23. What? Under 23? Yeah. Under 23, yeah. That's quick. So I I was probably more I was probably more suited to running fours and eights as opposed to running eights and fifteens, yeah. Nine mile cross countries I eights and fifteens. <laughs> <then. laughs> yeah. And were there any sessions that you didn't like then? Um the nine mile fartlet used to be a tough one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. wasn't keen on that. And I probably wasn't keen, keen on that as because I knew also on the Tuesday night I was going to have to do another tough session. Yeah. And it was just the start of the week. Yeah. But I mean, in terms you mentioned racing, right? And this wasn't just like in the, right up until 1992. I've kind of raced every distance from 100 metres. Well, in my running career, I've raced every distance from 100 metres to marathon. Yeah, well. So what I've done is I've put a, a few... Few, some of the PPs are good, but can I tell you that even in our household, I'm not the fastest marathon runner because my wife's ran faster than me. She ran faster than me at Manchester. Oh, nice. But, uh, and I'm not the only this the only household record I've got for 800 metres. And the rest of them, my, my sons have beaten me on. So, 
that kind of tells you. Oh. Kind of tells you that, I know. So, 100 metres, I ran 11-1. 11-1. All right. That was on a rolling start. That was a rolling start. So, I couldn't, you know, it wasn't, yeah. Uh, 200 metres was 22-4. I ran a 48.8 second relay leg for 400. Oh, yeah. A 150.09 for 800 metres. And I'll tell you about that race shortly. Yeah. 1,500 metres, I ran 352 five times. Five times. <laughs> five times. All right, so I kind of plateaued out at that. Yeah. Uh, 1501 on the roads for 5K when I was 19. And some of the some of the longest stuff's quite interesting because I ran a 10k or what we believe to be a 10k from back in the day mm -hmm. at 30 49. Ooh. And then a 10 miler at 5104. My, my marathon set in Manchester a couple of weeks ago was quite strange because I, I trained my work with my wife, Deborah. Um, and Deborah kind of left us at 10 mile. She went on to run 430 something and I ran 507. And it was horrific. Yeah, that sounds painful. That was extremely painful. I actually got passed by a gorilla. Oh. And a guy and a guy and a, a guy dressed as a pie. Yeah. Which was quite a uh, bit of a come down. Yeah, when I did the Great North Run, I got passed by a rhino and I, I didn't know. The rhino? Yeah. <laughs> painful. Fantastic. Painful when it happens, isn't it? You're like that. Absolutely. Oh dear. And all right, so whoa. And you're saying that you've only got the eight hundred. Yeah. Who's got what, I'm interested. What's the fastest hundred meter time in the family? Because if you've done eleven one. Sorry, I, I, we kind of don't the, right, we don't count those ones because that wasn't actually in a race. Oh fair enough. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. But I think I think I mean I've got two sons, Oliver and Ron. Mm. Uh, Ron is probably is interested in running is someone who's just not interested in running at all. Okay. And he but he has run for County Durham and he, he's quite an accomplished runner at uh, Durham schools. Uh, but he decided that he didn't just didn't want to get involved. Yeah. And if he doesn't want to get involved, he doesn't get involved. But my other son Oliver, who's currently out in the States, yeah. actually you should have a chat with you should have a chat with Oliver. Yeah. Um because Oliver got a, a scholarship out in America. And he'd be able to tell you through the, the college scheme, the college system, which would probably be worthwhile. Um, Oliver ran, I think I would probably beat Oliver up to 800 metres. But I think anything over 800 metres, I think he would give us a, because he ran 346 Ooh. in Los Angeles, I think, a few years ago. Now, he doesn't run, he doesn't do much running now because he's, he's just become a father got two lovely grandchildren so he kind of but I, I'd like to think that he would come back to it yeah that's so mad so it literally runs in the family that's good you're a family of runners yeah that's brilliant you're a family of runners and I think you 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 tend to find it. I know um, Callum Johnson I used to compete against Callum's dad really I did I which was quite uh, some time ago Alan, Alan was an exceptionally good I always felt as if I could be competitive with Alan, like over 800 metres. Yeah. Uh, but once we got over that, Alan was far too strong. Really, really good, good, good athlete. Yeah, yeah. Definitely in the genes as well. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah.
That's so cool. That's so cool. Had you when you were running, um, when you were competing with Alan, and and when you were running back in the day, did you have, did you have any injuries? You'd probably be surprised to know that I had loads. Um, just off the, I mean, if you look at the workload, so yeah. I used to run about seventy miles a week. Yeah. Yeah. Like 15, 16. Now, that's probably looking back now, that's bad enough. But I used to do that predominantly in spikes on the grass. Okay. Oh, so that you didn't have much cushion. Didn't have any cushion at all. And between 1987 and 1992, I just ran in pain with Achilles, Achilles injuries and Achilles problems. That's rough. Um, in, <laughs> we kind of. I had treatment on them, but I just never gave them enough time to, be, uh, mm, to recover. Yeah, I was chatting to. Have you have you have you spoke with Ian Hudspeth? I haven't. I haven't. No. No. He, Ian and I had a conversation about coming back from injury, and he told us that when he was coming back from his Achilles injury, it literally took almost a year for him to get back on his feet. Okay. Right, and I just in in the scheme, it's a long time, but in the scheme of things. It's not a long time. So I, I coach an athlete at Sunderland called Nathan Reed. Mm. And what we did with Nathan, we, we kind of did exactly, followed probably Ian's advice. And we we actually walked for a minute, ran for a minute, walked for a minute, ran for a minute, and literally built it up like that. But you see, I, I never did that. No. There would be, once, once the pain subsided, I actually just used to jump straight back on the track and do track sessions again. And then all of a sudden... I'm back to square one. So between 1987 and 1992, I kind of just ran in pain and just kind of put up with it, really. Yeah. Well, I guess now is a good time to start talking about teenage burnout then, since that's what it sounds like it was happening at that time. Would you be able to just put into words what is teenage burnout? And then we'll go from there. I think we, we sort of like teenage burnout, Tommy. I think... I'm not an expert on teenage burnout. I haven't come on here thinking that I'm going to revolutionise the world or anything like that, but uh, I'm only looking at it through my lens and I'm only looking at it in, in respect to what happened to me. Now, when I talk you through some of the sessions, it's obvious now that it was way, way too much pressure to put on a young body, a body that wasn't fully grown and a body that wasn't fully matured. I think had I waited and done that workload when I was probably in my late teens, nineteen twenty, I would have been much stronger and I would have been a much better athlete. But at that particular time, it just seemed to be the right thing to do. So if you talk, and I mean, talking to some of the young athletes at Sunderland, it's quite interesting because you'll say, Right, how are you feeling? Yep, I'm great. How are you going to do? Oh, I'm never going to beat blah, blah. Mm. And I say to them, look, just because they're good now doesn't mean that they're going to be good in the future. I think athletics is a journey and you've got to enjoy the journey. You've got to enjoy the pathway. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you've got to enjoy it. And I think when it, the pressure that I was under and the pressure I put myself under, it wasn't, it wasn't a pleasant experience. Hence the reason I can remember. The last race I did was for Mortis Harriers. And it was a British League match. 
Um, and we went, I think it was Hendon in London, and I went down on the bus. And it was actually, I, I used to room with, with, with Scott and Joe's dad, Neil. And I said to Neil the night before, I said, I ain't enjoying this. And then I can remember getting to the start line. And honest told me, I could have been queuing up for an ice cream. I just had no, really? no desire, no heart. And after that, I think that was it. I just, I didn't, I just never ran again. Wow. And if you, if it wasn't, and it wasn't, I'll be honest with you, it wasn't a miss. So when I talk about what is teenage burnout, or what is teenage burnout, it just gets you to the point of just, you're empty with the whole sport. Yeah. And when I'm talking to some of the youngsters, I keep saying to them, look, don't worry. Enjoy your friends. Do other events. Yeah. Right. Be a late bloomer. Don't start training hard now. Just enjoy the ride because I've never done like however many English schools champions have been over the years, or how many three years junior champions have been over the years. Very few of them come through, and very few people get remember. I mean, I can remember racing against a guy called Eric Kamani mm-hmm. in Plymouth, and Eric was actually my age and he put he'd won like literally everything and then he just disappeared Clovis song I watched him run a 400 meters at the English schools championships arguably the unbelievable performance but he doesn't run now oh. so what I would any advice I mean if there's any advice I would give is just enjoy your running yeah in just wait until you, you're a bit older and more mature and then do all the hard work. Yeah, you know, you know, it's interesting. I'm a big basketball fan. And yeah. there's a story that Kobe Bryant, um, the legend, told mm-hmm. about a conversation he had with Michael Jordan, who's also obviously another legend. He said, yeah. he said that he sees all these kids working really hard on this, on this move and that move and this footwork and all that sort of stuff. At the age of 12, he said, Yo, Michael, what, what were you doing at 12? <laughs> Michael Jordan replies, saying, I was playing baseball at 12. Uh, baseball, huh? Yeah, just having fun. It wasn't about Absolutely. every single move down, it was about just enjoying it. And obviously, those are some mm-hmm. people that have never done it before. Mm-hmm. What you're saying, though. Yeah. And how did, um, just back to you then, how does, how did Tony burnout affect you? Um, Mentally, because obviously you say you fell out of love with the sport. You into your mind, or was it just you just get on like it's another day? I just, I kind of had other. I, I went. I didn't. I just kind of had other interests, really, not sport. And I just got started. I, I took a job, um, because at the, the time up until about '89, I was kind of I was sponsored by New Balance. So once kind of New Balance pulled out, I kind of thought, right, I've got to sort of start finding my own way in life here. And so I took the job and I got into sales uh, and just did other things. And then obviously the family comes along and then the house comes along and the mortgage comes along. So you've just got to, you just got to work just providing for my family, really. I thoroughly enjoyed doing that. And and like I think I said earlier, I didn't miss it. And it wasn't until Oliver 
and Rowan says, you need to come and watch this. And it was Usain Bolt. And I watched it and I thought, wow, that's probably what I used to enjoy about it. And then my wife watched um, Mo Farron, the Great North Run, Deborah, and she just said, wow, can we do the Great North Run next year? So that's how I actually got back into it. And then I got involved with Sundown Harriers and then yeah. there you go. It's the excitement that brought you back, but obviously that's what was uh, up. Absolutely, yeah. So how do we avoid teenage burnout then? If, I'll give you an instance within our club. Mm-hmm. We've and like every club in the northeast that's chartered with UK athletics, yeah, is you have a welfare officer, right? And I think things are monitored a lot more now. If I and I haven't, but if I were to get the inclination that one of the club coaches was doing something that was detrimental to a child's welfare, I would make absolutely 100% stop it. On saying that, we've got a great coaching staff at the Sunderland Harriers and we look after our children well. And I think that's how we stop it. We just have people, not busybodies, but we have people who kind of make sure it doesn't happen. Yeah. I mean, as a club, we, we, we've had lots of English schools champions, as to have more with as of lots of other clubs in the northeast, yeah, and very few of them actually make it through. You talk to Jimmy Alder about the English schools championships, and he'll tell us he'll tell you how many people have come through from them. Very few. Wow, very few. It's just so hard. That's how I, I, yeah, it's just that's hard. how we stop when, like you were mentioning, some of the young ones when they're like, "I'm never going to be better than this person and that person." I I know that I. I also was thinking when I was younger, thinking, oh, some of these athletes are so fast. What are they going to do? And all that yeah. stuff. And I remember one guy specifically just never improved on his 100 meter PB from when he was 12. But mm-hmm. I'm trying to think about competing him, and he's however many seconds faster than me at the age of 12. And um, and then similarly for your athletes. Like, I know people racing you must have thought, how the heck am I going to beat Albert? He's absolutely. And that kind of did, that used to happen. I mean, it, they, but one by one, told me they came past, mm. and I think that was probably a little bit of it. It's a bit disheartening to think that you're going to be X, Y, and Z, and you know where near. It yeah. just doesn't happen for you. Yeah. So, did I did I think at one time I was going to go on and be European this Olympic that? Of course I did. Yeah, and then. I think it was in 19... Well, I can't remember the year, but I actually joined um, Steve Cram and David Sharp's training group. Yeah. It was 19... Actually, it was between 1991 and 1992. I only did it for a year. And then I got into the group and I just thought, I'm a country mile off the pace here. Wow. I mean, you would get... Sharpie was still... That year, I think Sharpie ran 143 for 800 metres in Zurich. And he was like unreal. And then in terms, I thought I, I thought I was quick, but I wasn't really. Nah, one forty-three. I've been kidding myself, to be fair. That's and right. I think that kind of that. And I be, it's quite funny because at the time, I always felt as if I was a rival of Sharpies, and I wasn't really. Towards the end, when I was younger, perhaps, but during our, our, our like later years, I certainly wasn't. Yeah. And I hadn't spoke to him for 
20 years. And then I dropped them a message on Facebook. And then we became Facebook pals. And then since then, I've bumped into them twice. Yeah. Quite uncanny, really. Yeah, yeah. So, right. so you, so he ran a 143 and you mentioned you did a 150. Yeah. You said you wanted to talk a little bit about that race. What was so special about that race? Well, that 150, I ran 150.09, which was my PB for 800 metres. And I ran at a Gateshead Stadium on a Wednesday night in a Tyneside track league. Now, under normal circumstances, that would probably be quick enough to win your most races in the UK. Yeah. But I was fourth. Fourth? Fourth, yeah. Sharpie won it. Yeah. Yeah. Crammy was second. And a guy who'd come up from Essex to, trip to, to Newcastle University was a guy called Rob Denmark. He was third. And Rob used to, um, Rob was a, I ended up going on to win the Commonwealth Games 5K title. And he also ended up a European silver medalist. So that was kind of the standard of a, a Wednesday track league. That's ridiculous. And it, it just, it was ridiculous to me. You just couldn't, you couldn't write the script. What the heck? So this yeah, is, was... I'm, I mentioned that to, uh, to Charlie last week when I spoke to him that, uh, you can turn up on a night on a, a night for a five k. You've got these, you've got Charlie Spedden on the line. You've got on there. You've got Steve Graham. You've got these Brendan Foster on the line. You've got all these people who are effectively now legends. Um, yeah. Lining up for the same race, and it just made me think: how does that line up to today's standard in the northeast? So, right. it, it, when you think it's about funny. That, I have yeah. I have this conversation like on a regular basis with people now. Your, your purists will say, right, it was better in my day. It was better back in the day, right? But I think there's a caveat to that. You've, you've got to look at, in my opinion, and through my eyes, Callum Johnson would have featured in at the front of most races back then, yeah? Mm. As would Alex Brown, as would Carl Avery, Adrian Bales, to name but a few. They would have done all right in them races. Um I think the difference now is I just think the depth of talent's probably not there. And by that, when I ran 30-49 for 10k or six miles or whatever it was, I was 17th. Right? And 15-01 on the roads for 5k got us eighth. So you kind of at the front end, the good runners now would have still been. Featured at the front end of races. Okay, that's fair. And I don't think any I don't think anybody should take that away from the today's athletes because I think there's some really good athletes in the northeast. I just think there's probably not as many of them as there were. I yeah. think you in there's a, a young lad from Morpeth, and I can't young, is it young? He ran 355 for the mile indoors. Oh yeah, young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so he's that's not it. in the northeast. But if he was, he would be competing. We had Michael Wilson, one of the, the Sunderland athletes. Michael ran three three fifty nine for the mile in New York. So mm, fair enough. the world the world's a different place now, and like a lot more people are at universities, either across in the states or in the other parts of the country. So the actual running scene at the northeast, I think that I mean the currently the northeast team 
um, male team or the inter county champions because I was part of the the management team for that. Yeah. So the athletes are still there, but probably not quite as many as there were. Yeah. It's interesting that back then, though, all of these guys went on to the Olympics and broke world records and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Now that's, and they're all from the same place. Like, that's crazy. What, that's what you probably, I used to, I talked with Jimmy Headley about this, and he used to say that where he could stand in a particular spot in heaven, or Jarrah, wherever it was, and he could throw a tennis ball at Brendan Foster's house, Steve Cram's house, and David Sharp's. I mean, I don't know how lit literal that was, okay. but it does tell you that within that tiny little area was a fantastic, fantastic group of athletes. But you've got to remember as well, about then, even though you had the likes of Crammy, Mike McLeod, you had um, Charlie Spedden, there was like another group of runner runners just underneath that. You had like Sir Paul Cuskin, Gary Nagel. These are really, really, really good runners who weren't quite sort of world-class, whereas you've got to put Charlie Mick, Sharpie and them sort of things in the world-class bracket, really. Yeah. That's so true. I haven't actually really thought it through like that before, I guess. Just, you look at the names that have obviously gone to the Olympics, done these things and had the mile world record for however many years and stuff, and you think, wow, that that is nuts. <laughs> um but I guess there's layers to it that, that you don't see chance at it. So that's fair. That's fair enough. So I wonder, so you ran for Morpeth, you took some time out. Yeah. You're Sunderland Harriers secretary. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm the secretary of the club and why did you decide to do that? Right. Um I joined Sunderland Harriers in two thousand and nine. Um because of the, because of Oliver and Rowan getting involved. Okay. Um but I, I became team manager for the club in, in 2012. Um, and I, I, I kind of just wanted to put something back. I wanted to be actively involved because it, it, as, a, as a club, we were kind of losing numbers. Um, and there wasn't kind of, I could just see that there was, and I'm not saying it was a bad club because it's not it's a superb club and there's some great people there yep. it was just a we're kind of just going through a bit of a lull through a bit of a bit of a tough spell as a club um, yeah. and we didn't have as many people volunteering for roles on the committee and that sort of thing so I, that's how I ended up doing it I kind of it was a gap so yeah. I went in and I'm, I'm currently assistant secretary to be becoming secretary at the next AGM okay. um, and I just wanted to make sure that the athletes were were involved. Yeah. You know, at this particular time, we're, 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 we're building quite a decent squad up, um, but we just want to, we kind of want to push on to the next level now because we've, we've kind of got a good, got the, the, the infrastructure there for us now. So yeah. that's good. That was the reason why. And since taking on that role, the more active role, have you, do you think that you've been able to achieve those things that you set up to? We said we've got a thing called Project Possible. Okay. And Project Possible's like trying to pick up some look more, more with Harriers are an unbelievable club. 
right? Let's not, they're a national, well known without, without the country. But we just want to be able to compete. Yeah. Simple as that. So that's the goal. Yeah. Well, All right. you guys have got some really strong athletes and I've, I've interviewed a couple of them. And one that stands out to me is um, Jacka. Stephen Jackson, he's... Uh, Stephen Jackson, Stephen's had... Steve, to be fair, Stephen's had an absolutely stellar winter. Yeah. Uh, he's... I don't know if you spoke with me, but Stephen's a lovely lad. He's got the... He's running the... I think he's got the Boston Marathon. Okay. Sometime soon. Yeah. Uh, and, and to be fair to Jack, Jack is... Uh, we've kind of built our team around him this winter. Yeah. No, he's, he's really we've we've got a, we've got we be putting the entry in for our twelve man really down at Birkenhead, and um, and I think this is probably the strongest team I've ever in, been involved with. Right, we've got some, got some, so we're gonna we're, we're gonna do all right. Not saying we're gonna we're not gonna. I wouldn't have thought we'll win. I don't think we'll get a medal, but if we, I think we're certainly good enough to get in the top ten. That's brilliant. That's amazing. Well, that would be good. That would be good. Exciting times. Awesome. Well, um, I think we'll go on to the Find Your Fire round now. Um, just to got a few quick questions that I've got prepared if you want to give it yeah, a go. Yeah. Um, just to get to know you a bit more before we wrap it up. So I'll just go through them. You can answer them quickly or you can go into some detail. It doesn't really matter. But you ready to give it a go? Yep. Go for it. Perfect. All right. So when you were a faster runner, what was a race that you always wanted to compete in? What do you mean a faster runner, Tom? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just meant five hours in a marathon, man. Like, I'm not. Uh, that's right, guy. Well, put it put it this way: it, it certainly wouldn't be the London Marathon that I want to run. No, <laughs> I think if, if if there was one one race that I would love to do, and Michael Wilson's actually done it, and it's the it was the um, the one I make a mile. Oh, which was part of the Milrose Games in New York when it used yeah. to be at Madison Square Gardens. Yeah. Um, I think there's only the only Brit that won it was Chris O'Hare. But if you look back through the 80s, and that's kind of when I used to watch it, uh, Eamon Coughlin won it six times, Marcus O'Sullivan won it five times, Steve Scott won it twice, yeah. the American. I mean, there was world records in it. The, the, wow. the races were just insane and there used to be a brass band playing on the inside of the track and it just looked like a marvellous occasion and I really really wanted to run it uh, now the race is ran in the armoury in upper Manhattan Yeah, and I'm not saying it's lost its magic because it certainly hasn't but if I could turn back time I would have loved to have run in that race yeah yeah, yeah. at the Madison Square Garden not at the armoury absolutely I. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay, what about a location that you always want to run in? A country, maybe. Um, oh, I've got a few places where I've run in I thoroughly enjoyed. We went to Italy on holiday and we went to Lake Como. But Lake, I don't know if you've ever been to Lake Como, but it's quite hilly. So what we were trying to find, we were trying to find a, a safe place to do a Sunday morning run. So what we did was we actually got in the car and drove from Lake Como to Switzerland, which was like a three-hour drive. This was on a Sunday morning at six o'clock. We got up and took the car we, and we drove up to St. Moritz. Wow. And there was Deborah and myself. Um, the two boys did a, a long run together, Oliver and Rowan. 
um, and Deborah and I ran running San Moritz. So that was that was a stunning, some probably arguably the prettiest, prettiest run I've ever done. Yeah. And I actually had this conversation with Lindsay Dunn, and he'd done a very very similar run. I did in pretty much the same place, huh. which was quite quite interesting. But one place I'd like to go is as a race, and it was brought to my attention by an athlete the club, Steve Rankin. And he suggested that he did a race in Greece. And it's called the Amorgos Challenge on the island of Amorgos. And it's three races. One of them's a half marathon. One of them's a race to the top of the mountain. And there's another one which is like around the streets. So I really fancy giving that a go, but that's in May. So I ain't going to get time to do it this year because we've got plans. But I, I'd like to think I could do it in the, in the near future. So that's one I would like to do. That sounds really cool, actually. Yeah. It sounds difficult, but it sounds cool. That's <laughs> um, cool. Um, all right, rank for me, favourite, least favourite, cross-country, road and track. It'll probably come as a bit of a surprise. But track's obviously my favourite, but very closely followed by cross-country. What? I know, which is daft, really, because I've had some absolute nightmares on the country. But I did have, I was actually, I actually won the North East Boys title cross-country in 1980, whenever. And I actually won the junior title as well. And I won the junior title and I should never have won it. Wow. It was just one of them days that everything clicked. And I, and I kind of ran away from it. A very, very decent field, to be fair. Wow. That's impressive. Fair. What is your favourite race that you've ever seen? I think you might have mentioned. Right. That, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you about two. Okay. The, the first one, the first run that I ever saw where I actually, my jaw dropped, was Steve Cram, not these world records, but he won the Northern Cross Country Championships at Thirsk in 1985. Okay. And it, it was just absolutely an unbelievable bit of distance running. Yeah. And if ever you get the chance to, to speak to him, ask him what his thoughts are on that race. Yeah. Because it was a race that he probably, he shouldn't have probably won. But what we didn't know was that that summary would go on to break all the world records. So he was in fantastic shape from, from the December. Another race that I, I really, and I don't know if you've seen it, but Eamon Coughlin's world title race in Helsinki in 1983, he won the 5K. Okay. And just, I'll not spoil it. Well, i spoil it because you know what the scope, what, what, what the result's <laughs> going to be. But the way he ran it, mm. Is, it was really worth watching. Yeah, sure. Okay, I'll, I'll pop that on after we finish chatting. See how that goes. Yeah, that's brilliant. Okay, who's your favourite athlete of all time? Um, my favourite athlete isn't, well, out of athletics, probably Sebastian Court and Eamon Coughlin. Okay. But I think whoever trumps them, I think I, you've got to go Muhammad Ali. I've uh, been to the... Yeah, yeah, I've, got, I've been to the museum out in Louisville um, on a couple of occasions now, and I just think the guy, he transcended any sport. Yeah. Absolutely stunning individual, I. Yeah. Are you a boxer? So be... Not particularly. No. I'm a big Ali fan. Yeah. And I think there's a difference. If you ask me, quiz me about boxing, I wouldn't have a clue. I wouldn't <laughs> know where to start. However, you ask us about Ali, you know, I'd probably be able to tell you about most of his fights, to be fair. Really? Wow. He is a legend, to be fair. So. Yeah. Yeah. 
What are your favourite running shoes? At the moment, my favourite running shoes are Hawker 1 1. Yeah. That's a good brand. And that's the brand, yeah. And the reason why I like those is because they help me not get injured whilst I run slow. Yeah. There's plenty of cushioning and they're a good fit. I like them a lot. That's good. Okay, what about your favourite book? This is, when I said to Deborah that I'm going to be asked about my favourite book, let's be honest, Toy, I ain't much of a reader, to be fair. <laughs> She she Man. said the only books I the only books I get through are the ones I colour in. Uh, it's kind of so I'm not a big I'm not a big book fan, so I ain't gonna try and spin you a yarn on that one. Fair enough, fair enough. Keeping it real, I like it. How about movies? It's a different story. Have you come across? You know Michael Caine, the actor. Yeah. He's in a film that was set in the northeast called Get Carter. Get Carter. Get Carter, it's about a guy called Jack Carter whose brother was murdered by uh, gangsters in the Northeast. And it's, I, I just love everything about it. It's kind of just the, the film, the mood. Yeah. Just the way it's, the way it's set and the pace of it. It's just a fantastic film and I, I could watch it any time. And I'll tell you what, on TV at the moment, I can't say it, The Icarus Files. What's it called, Have sir? Have you seen those yet? The Icarus Files. I haven't heard yeah. of them. Yeah, Joe Cole. Have it. That's on a Sunday night, and it's obviously on the on the iPlayer now as well. Really, really good. Similar sort of thing. And Michael Caine played that main part in that as well. So I'm a big Michael Caine fan. To be fair. Yeah, fair. I'll check those out. Thank you. Um, what else have we got? One person that you want to hear on this podcast, Albert? Can I be greedy and give you a couple? Yeah, go on. Have you heard of Kevin Carr? Kevin Carr. Is it gonna Kevin, Kevin, Kevin Carr is the chairman of Sunderland Harriers. Okay. He's been involved in athletics for hundred, well, not hundreds <laughs> of years, but he's been involved. He look, he just, he just looks like he's been involved in that. But he's been, he was involved in athletics when I used to compete, and oh. he's still the chairman of our club now. Yeah. And Kevin has um, been an official at the World Championships, the Olympics. Wow. He's got a full set. Mm. He's got a full set. He's got, he, and I think he's going to. He's, he's a race judge for the marathon at this year's Commonwealth Games. So he's a good one. Wow. I would suggest you strongly suggest you speak to him. The other one is in Bill McGurk, and these are all people who are officials who will be able to talk you through athletics from right through the years. Yeah, two athletes. I would love to see. Crammy would be perfect. Yeah. Sharpie would be good. Yeah. So, there you go. I've got my work cut out for me. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Huh. That's so funny. I, I'm still laughing that you said Kevin Carr's been involved for hundreds of years. <laughs> <laughs> and anyone who knows Kevin Carr, and I would say that to Kevin's face, to be fair. He's a good friend of mine. That's awesome. All right. That's awesome. Okay. Um, what is one thing that's on your bucket list still? Right. There's one, one thing that I've seen during lockdown is that in Turkey there's a place called Cappadocia mm-hmm. and it's a it's a, an, a really, really old set of ruins um, out in Turkey and you can take a balloon ride over it and it was a, a Turkish pal of mine, a Turkish runner uh, who was telling us about it and he suggested that we, I take a look and it's just 
the scenery is absolutely stunning. Yeah. So that's on the bucket list. That that and along with the Amorgos challenge. It's yeah. just thing is going, it's just trying to squeeze it all in, really. Yeah, life, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And finally, do you have any hidden talents, Albert? Tell me I've got absolutely no hidden talents whatsoever. Decent. Uh, I would love to say I could play piano. Nope. I would love to say I played violin, and you probably would never know. But <laughs> I just can't. I just can't. Fair enough. All right. Okay. Standard. That's what it says on the tin. Absolutely. Good. That's awesome, man. Well, before we end, the last question I guess I got for you is, what is your advice to anyone who's getting into running and wants to be really good at it? Right. I think what I would say, it was, it was an old guy, an old guy called Golden Surtees who said this to me, and I'm going to pass this on, and I wish I... Golden Surtees used to be Johnny Taylor's coach. Mm. And he said this to me when I was probably 15, 16. He said, always remember why you started running. You started running to enjoy it. Just enjoy it. Wow. End of. Simple. That's brilliant. Well, listen, guys. Albert, firstly, are you on social media anywhere? Anywhere that people can I find you? I certainly am, yeah. What's your... Yeah, where can we find you? I'm on Facebook. Um, and that's the only one, I think, so. Decent. So on Facebook, Albert James. And then, obviously, find out about the club. Sunderland areas, um, obviously. Uh, for everyone that's listening, make sure you follow Ardent Run Club on Instagram and at This Is Ardent on all of our social media for updates on this podcast and us over here at Ardent. And subscribe to Ardent Run Club so you can be the first to know when the new weekly episodes come out. Any last words, Albert? Thanks for having us, Tom. Thoroughly enjoyed the chat and I wish you the best of luck, son. Thank you so much, Albert. It's been great. It's been so fun chatting to you. And yeah, this has been Ardent Run Club, episode 65 with Albert James. I hope you've learned something. I hope you've been inspired and I hope you find your fire. See you next time. Thank you.